My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. Carpe diem. Seize the day. There's no place like home. He's looking at you, kid. Do or do not. There is no try. They remember forever the night they played the Titans. Well, welcome back. It's week six of our series called At the Movies. Now, in this series, we have been looking at the stories that Jesus told, parables, in light of some modern stories, movies, right? And so we've said a couple of things over the past several weeks. One of them was is that what a parable is. A parable is simply this. It is a simple story, right? told in a sticky way. It's a story with a truth in it told in a Now, it could have just one truth inside of it, or the parable could hold a couple of truths inside of it. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up with me, or, or maybe you have your phones, you could turn them on. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. Today's parable is called the parable. A farm, right? And he said, A sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seeds um, that fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds, though, fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. Finally, some seeds fell on good soil, and it produced grain. Some of those a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirty. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the message that you have for us. And I pray more than anything that it would sink deep down into our hearts. Father, that it would cultivate something inside of us as um, we would be willing and determined to, to turn our lives and to heed you, to hear you. God, that we could be like the good soil that produces great amount of produce. God, I just give you all of the glory and the honor. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Welcome back to the 1958 World Cup, the greatest sporting event on Earth. We are live in Gothenburg, only moments away from the start of the final match of Group 4. Brazil versus the Soviet Union. So much more than just a game for Brazil, and with all their losses in the last decade, the country's spirit has been just crushed. We've even seen some Brazilian fans committing suicide by jumping from the upper tiers of the stadiums. But let's be honest, the Soviets are the reigning Olympic champions, and Brazil, I mean, Brazil should be counting their blessings they even qualified for the World Cup. Brazilians are about to enter a stadium filled with Europeans all rooting against them. They don't stand a chance. They're young. 
They're unorthodox. They got no discipline. And they're mixed race to food. It's just sad, really. And now, with all the player injuries, they are forced to play a 17-year-old reserve. You almost have to feel sorry for Brazil. Lack of confidence has been a real problem for the Brazilians. And starting a 17-year-old is hardly the answer. In fact, reports from the locker room say the teenager was sick to his stomach upon learning he would be starting. Not exactly the confidence boost Brazil was hoping for. The 1958 World Cup in Sweden. It's Brazil versus the Soviet Union. The World Cup debut for 17-year-old Edson Nascimento. The youngest player ever to play in the tournament. And Ulemi Stadium is absolutely rolling. 50,000 streaming fans. Millions more tuning in from around the world. In only a few moments, it will be up to this youngster and his South American brothers to keep their nation's hopes and dreams alive. The crowd here in East Vietnam, Kenny. Brazil must win, and here comes Brazil now, giving it everything they've got. It's this time. Oh, just one go. We have to cross it. It's Jair with the header. Oh, Tied 1-1. Over 200,000 fans now on their feet. Crammed into every seat. Some eager fans even watching from the roof. And Uruguay's Ruben Moran now lines up for the corner kick. Here it is. Uruguay shoots. Just five. Chico, what's the score? Still 1-1. Final minute. He said still tied 1-1. The match is winding down. Alfinho. you were here listening to the World Cup. Okay, just stay quiet. He shoots and it's gone! What happened, Chico? What happened? Did we score? Go against Brazil, 2-1. Guys, and off suddenly all the pressures on Brazil with only... Ah. Cup for Brazil by I promise. Edson Arantes de Nascimento. Jico, as you'll hear him called throughout the movie, is one of the world's greatest soccer players ever. I couldn't think of anything better or more relevant to talk about than soccer today with World Cup going on right now and just coming off the heels of our soccer camp this week. Now, Pele, which is Chico's nickname, he was a soccer phenom. He played for the Brazilian national team from 1958 through 1970. He's one of the leading goal scorers of all time. And he played for them before Brazil became what we think of Brazil today. In fact, before Pele began playing with them, Brazil had never won a World Cup. At the age of 17, Pele stepped onto the field to play for a World Cup championship for Brazil. Now, I'm not sure that Jesus ever played soccer. 
Some of that may be because soccer is only about 200 years old and Jesus lived about 2,000 years ago. But Jesus knew people. He knew things that they were interested in. In fact, most of the conversations that Jesus had with people, they were ordinary people. Just like the people that were in there listening to that game, they were ordinary people who had ordinary jobs. And so Jesus tells us a story here about an ordinary person, a farmer, doing an ordinary job, sowing seed, to teach us something extraordinary. Now the sower, here's what he would do. He would go out in his field and he would walk on a path. Now there's a couple of paths here and he would take the seed and he would cast the seed out a little bit at a time. And if he was really good at what he was doing, he would get it a little bit of everywhere, right? And the seed would go all over the place. He would throw it to the far side. If I got it in your hand, I'm sorry. All right? Just want to make sure you were still awake there. That's all it was. He, they would cast it everywhere. And he would try to throw it as evenly as possible to cover all of the soil that they had. Knowing that some of the seed would not fall on good soil, but it would fall in the pathways. Some of it would fall in some different areas. In fact, Jesus said there were four different types of soils that that seed that was cast by the sower would fall on. Later, Jesus explains to his disciples that each one of those soils, each one of those fields represents something. Look down with me at verse 19. He said, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Underline that if you have your Bibles right there. Sown in his heart. You see, Jesus said that the fields are types of hearts. Different types of hearts that exist. And really the first heart that he says that exists is the wayside. Because this verse finishes up and says that what was sown here was along the wayside. The very first heart. The wayside heart. Now, Pele was not always Pele. He was not always the greatest soccer player that ever lived. In fact, there was a time in Pele's journey when his style of play was rejected by the coaches that were around him. Let's watch and see. Each of you will be evaluated based on your execution of proper form and discipline. Number one and number two. There's no magic in football, boys. Whatever primitive style you played at home, forget it. Here, you learn to master the techniques of the best team in Europe. Oh, 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 oh! That's exactly the kind of monkey business I'm talking about. Ball on the ground. Ball on the ground, boys. Okay, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, 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 back off, boys, back off. This is the win for the pro team now, for the pro team. And here's the win for the junior team, boys, junior team. And the youth team. Okay, congratulations, everyone. Welcome to the club. Now, show her up. Come on, here we go. Just some to now, the side foot is for accuracy, but for power. Use the instep here with the laces out, not the toe. Laces out. You see what happens when we play with that primitive style? We lose. Watch how Hungary beats us in the 54 quarterfinal. No showmanship, no beating their mark, they just mastered the formations. Let's go, Chico. 
So soon? Mr. De Brito, what are you doing here? I was going to ask the same of you. I'm no good, Mr. De Brito. I can't play like the other guys. And if I don't go back to school now, I'll end up cleaning toilets. Mm-hmm. And what's wrong with that? Cleaning toilets? No. What's wrong with not playing the way the other guys do? Coach says the way I play is primitive. It is primitive. It has a long and rich history. Then why does Coach hate it? Well, uh, it all started in the beginning of the 60th century. <laughs> huh? Come on. If you don't want to know, no, I'll No, 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 Mr. Debrito. I do want to know. Please, tell me. OK. Like I was saying, it was the beginning of the 16th century. So both the pro coach and then later on the national team coach for Brazil didn't like Pele's playing style. They told Pele, you can't win with that playing style. In fact, they blamed that playing style for the losses in 1950 and 1954. And so because of that, their hearts became hardened and they began to hate that style of play. Now, ground is naturally hard, right? It doesn't just automatically soak things up into the ground. And if you continue to walk in the same spot on the ground, in fact, if animals continue to trample in the same spot on the ground, it begins to wear a pathway. And if the trampling continues in the same pathway for day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year, that ground becomes almost impenetrable. You know, the wayside heart is similar to that kind of ground. It's been trampled over and over again. It's got scars all over it. In fact, the wayside heart is hardened by the scars of life and by the sins that they love. Check out what WebMD says about scars. I love this. It said, unlike original tissue, it says new fibers align themselves in a random and mismatched formation. Hard hearts no longer have the same prevent it from allowing the seed to you know some people have hearts that are so scarred and so filled with sin 
that when it comes to the good news, the gospel message, the proclamation of the kingdom of God being near and at hand, they can't receive it. Now, sometimes we think we come to a, a place to hear the Most of us sitting here in Because we then we are the wayside heart. Now there was another field that Jesus talked about where the seed landed. It was the rocky soil. Now I would call that the wide heart. The wide heart. Now on that 1958 team that Pele played on, there was another superstar. His name was Mazzola, and the team had hung all of their hopes on him. Check out some of his story alongside Pele. And DD. See you on the bench, kid. <laughs> the bench? But coach hasn't picked the lineups yet. Are uh, you sure about that? There's your competition. Absolutely. Good luck convincing coach to you over him. Wow, he scrubs force and shots. It's Jose Tafini. Yeah, but he goes by Mazzola because he says he plays just like the legendary Italian striker. Well, my family is Italian and I was trained in that style of play. So I'm confident I will bring some of the sophistication and class some others of the team may lack. Please, Garisha! Garisha, please! Please, please, Garisha! Do you really think your Jinga style will hold up against the Europeans? I don't see what's so bad about Jinga. Okay, okay, listen, no one here wants to relive 1950. I can assure you that this team will be civilized both on and off the field. We will only show our best face in Sweden. All right, let's take the photo. Why all the fuss? It's about changing that image. We don't want to arrive in Sweden and have the world say, oh, there's Brazil. <laughs> yes, but you are Brazilian, aren't you? Well. <laughs> You're not listening. I'm, I'm talking about the way others see us and how we play. Then how do you account for the reports of the team playing lousy in practices? Certain players still are not up to international standards. And you think they can be by soon? Maybe we're lousy, because we're not playing the way we know how. I really hope you're not saying what I think you're saying. I mean, what if we just didn't get it right in 50? All I know is that coach picks the starting lineup today. Show him you can play the way Jose plays, and you might have a shot. But if you play with Jinga, I know, it's just my dad. Your dad what? Nothing, forget it. Cup in Sweden, football, football, football. The greatest game on earth. Stockholm, the jewel of the Baltic, and home to the 1958 World Cup. Ticket queues stretching around city blocks for the upcoming games, where teams from 16 countries will compete for the coveted Jules Rimet Trophy. Last to arrive is Team Brazil, who only had to play Peru to qualify after Venezuela inexplicably withdrew after seeding, practically giving the Brazilians a free pass to the cup. 
And there's the French national team, one of the favourites to win the World Cup, but not as favoured as the home nation, Sweden. There they are. Stars Gunnar Grind, Kat Hamrin, Sigge Parling, Nils Liedholm, Agnes Simonsen. And it seems one lucky reporter has scored an interview with everyone's favourite left winger, Lynette Macascoglin. How's it feeling? Perfect. It's our country, our fans, and now it's time to shine. How about Mexico? Well, no team from outside Europe has ever won the cup in European soil. Do you think in Mexico or this misfits there will have a change there? Let's see what Team Brazil has to say for themselves. It is fortunate these young athletes play with their feet, because it would appear the cat got this one's tongue. And stay tuned for a special report. I can't play like you. If your leg is better, you should go back in. It's not my leg. My head is not right. Your head? My whole life, all I ever wanted was to be European. Since we've got here, I've I realize that I'm Brazilian. No, it's what be. Pele may not have been the hope for Brazil's team. But Mazzola, he was incredibly shallow. And he was incapable in that moment when the heat and the pressure all came to stand up to it. Look with me at verse 20. It says, for, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself. He endures for a little while, but when tribulation or persecution rises, especially on account of the word, immediately he falls away. You know, as I was reading about this soil type, I found it incredibly interesting that it was not talking about like gravel rocks that were in the soil, but it's talking about bedrock. Bedrock, just eight to 10 inches, maybe 12 inches below the surface, just below where the plow would have turned over the good soil on top. And that this bedrock, when the sun comes down, would have heated up. And early on, it would have produced what looked like a bountiful crop about to happen. Because the seed would have sprung up. The warmth from that bedrock would have warmed up the seed so germination would happen and it would spring up. It would be taller than all of the other plants. It would be more green and have more leaves on it. But that same bedrock layer, as the sun continued to get hotter, would heat up more and more, and before long, it would scorch the plant because it had no depth to be able to get to the moisture that it needed. It's temporary, it's fleeting. Has no stick to it in this. You've probably heard the saying that it's a mile wide and an inch deep. That's what the wide part is a mile wide and an inch deep. It's shallow. Now, I'll be honest with you for a second. Depth of Scripture and teaching in many places is found right here at the front of the room. In fact, I have lots of friends that they believe, hey, you can only, your people can only go as deep in the word as you're willing to take them from the front of the room. Now, if you've been with us for a while, you probably have noticed that while we'll bring up some deep things and some gems, we don't spend a whole lot of time in the deep 
issues, if you will. Not because we can't, it's not because I don't know Greek and I don't know Hebrew and that we couldn't spend a whole lot of time parsing those things and pulling apart the conjugates of how the structures are done and all of those sorts of things. We can do that. But death doesn't come from the front. Death comes from relationship. And relationship happens from quality time. Let me say that again. Death doesn't come from the front of the room. Death comes from relationship and from quality time. Those of you who are married in here, right? You know that in order to woo and to win your spouse, you couldn't rely on the quick advice that you would get from somebody else. It was about the quality time that you spent with them. And those of you, by the way, Justin, you guys celebrate 10 years back there. Congratulations, by the way, big marker, right? The only way you're gonna survive 10 more years, the only way you're gonna withstand that is by continuing to invest quality time. That's where death comes from. That's where relationship is built. And it's the same with our relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't come from somebody else at the front of the room telling you all about it. My knowledge, guess what? It's my knowledge. It's never going to be your knowledge. Because most of what I say up here, you're going to walk out of the room and forget it. 80% of it. Within five minutes. That makes a guy up here feel really good about what they're doing, let me tell you. And so because of that, I feel like my job is a little bit different. My job is not to plumb the depths and to give you all of this textual knowledge of stuff. But instead, I want to be like a cattle prof, poking you, moving you, sometimes shocking you just a little bit. It's a good reaction, thank you. <laughs> Shocking you just a little bit to get you in the right direction with your relationship with Jesus Christ because it's something that you have to do. I can't do it for you. And so I want to encourage you and to challenge you and to issue you challenges on a Sunday by Sunday basis that you go and then tackle during the course of the week. And if you just come and sit here every single week, let me tell you, you can end up being a mile wide and an inch deep. And it's not the guy at the front's fault. And there are a lot of people who go to a lot of different churches and just go, well, it's not deep enough for me. Listen, death happens in relationship. And that's not only in relationship with Jesus Christ, it's in relationship with those who's put around you. And your death happens with them as you spend quality time with them. It's why we want everyone that's here to be involved in a community group. Because that's where death happens. It's where relationship happens. It's through that quality time. So that when those moments happen, in fact, Proverbs says this. It says, iron sharpens iron just as one man sharpens another. And that way, when the scorching heat comes, there's some depth so that you can withstand the heat. There was a third field type. The thorny, the, oh, let me see if I can talk. Ooh. Sorry. The thorny soil. The thorny soil. Now, this is the worried heart. The worried heart. And I think Pele's mom and dad share the story of Pele's dad really, really well. And you'll hear the worry that existed in his life. Yes, I get it. Football is romantic. I should know I met her father at a game. Five goals he scored with his head that day. Hmm. Then we got married, and I told him if he was so good with his head, he wouldn't play football. 
They paid him nothing and dropped him as soon as he hurt his knee. No insurance, no severance. You think your father wanted to be a janitor? Spend the rest of his life scrubbing toilets? Coming! Now, Jiko, can I trust you to finish this so I can hang the wash? You know, when I was your age, I used to get in fights. Especially when all the boys called names. But with time, I learned. I couldn't play a nose. That fighting comes from insecurity. The point is, Chico, if you want to play professionally, you can't be ashamed of who you are. Years ago, Jiko, when I first became a professional footballer, I wanted to play with Jinga, so beautiful. Brazilians were rocked with pride. But when I finally got my shot, I was filled with doubt. And it ended my career. But why? Because I stopped believing. Doubt can turn a beautiful Jinga move into a dangerous one. But you have to be stronger than I was, Chico. When people say mean things about you and how you play, you must never feel. Ashamed, but got it. Come. what happened in 50. You can't let that doubt get you. I heard the guys are calling you Pelé now. Yeah, Jose started it. It's silly. <laughs> this is a sign. Now is the time for Pelé. <laughs> but Sweden's gonna be all over me, Pai. And did you see what they did to Fritz Walter? They're brutal and smart. You believed in yourself against friends. Now you must inspire your team to believe in themselves. In Brazil. Look with me down at verse 22. It says, as for what was sown among the thorns. This is the one who hears the words of the world. than anything else. What will he say? What will she say? What will they think about me if I do this? What will they think if, and they begin to care about everything else in the world? You know what that really is? That's doubt. And the worried heart doubts God. The worried heart doubts God. It doubts that God has called them to do something. It doubts that God has the ability to equip them to accomplish what he's called them to. It doubts that God is bigger than what's going on in the world around it. It doubts everything. Doubt clouded Pele's dad's ability to pursue his dream. It crippled him, both literally and metaphorically. It kept him from it. <clears throat> and I think we see that his dad desperately wanted to cut doubt away from his son because he knew what it would do. Now our next series starts August the 5th. It's called Baggage. And in that series, we're going to look at doubt a little bit closer and about what it means to unpack doubt and to leave it behind.
So if you want to hear more about that, come back. But I think it suffice to say that we understand that doubt and worry in the world can choke out our ability to follow Jesus. You know, by the way, just because doubt shows up in your world doesn't mean that you're a worried heart. This week, as we were having soccer camp, right, I knew that I wanted to share the gospel inside of it, but I had doubt about how it was that we should do this. If it was even the right place, the last thing I want to do in trying to serve our community is be disingenuous about anything. I don't want to do a little bait and switch. Hey, we're offering you this, but really what we're trying to do is this. And that's a really hard line to walk, especially here in Australia. I read the Facebook pages. <laughs> Woo, buddy. Tell you, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> and so I doubted if we should even share the gospel and what that should look like. That doesn't make me a worried heart, it makes me human, right? But if we continue to allow that doubt to cripple us, and to keep us from pursuing what God has for us, and to choke out the word, then you might be the worried heart. Which brings us to, oh wait, wait, before I, before I get to the fourth soil, I wanna point something out real quick. Did you notice that of all the different fields, there was a condemning statement about this particular soil? Did you see that? It said that at the end of the day, this soil remains and it proves to be unfruitful. Hmm. Wow. What a statement. And then Jesus brings up the fourth type of soil. It's the good soil, and it represents what I would call the willing heart. Say it will from the looks of things, as the victory celebrations begin here in Masunda Stadium, even the 11th The day Brazil won our first World Cup. When the final whistle blew, I fainted right there on the field. When I finally opened my eyes, everything felt like a dream. It had only been 18 months since I first left home, but it felt like years. My mother and father came out to meet me and dad reminded me of the promise I made eight years earlier. But I'll never forget 1958, the year I became Pelé. Our jingle style became known as the beautiful game, and the Brazilians everywhere came to see. It was our differences that made us beautiful. Brasileiro 
Look back at me at verse 9. It says this. It says, Other seeds fell on good soil, and it produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And we've said each week as we look at this that when you find the surprising element, the something that seems almost absurd, that's usually where the point is at. And here it is. Here's the surprising thing. You see, for a field to produce five times the amount of seed as what was cast out was acceptable. For it to produce 10 times was good. For it to produce 20 times would have been an outstanding crop. But Jesus throws out these incredible numbers of 100 times, of 60 times, of 30 times what was cast out. You know, the only other time we have recorded in the Bible of a field producing 100 times the grain that was thrown out is with Isaac. He's facing adversity and he's been digging some wells and the neighboring countries keep coming in and claiming the wells for himself. And so he leaves as a good neighbor and begins and digs another one. And God blesses him with a yield and a produce. It's found in Genesis chapter 26 of a hundred times. Hmm. You see, the willing heart determines this. Determines that it will trust and it will obey. The willing heart determines that it will trust and obey. And then God turns that into something beautiful. I love that Pele called the game of soccer the beautiful game. The beautiful game. And when you watch him juggling that ball down the field, that's pretty incredible to watch. You know, Matthew uses the word good. He uses it here. There's the good soil. He says that there's a good product that there. And we also know that it's a good seed because we know that it's the seed of the kingdom or the gospel. You know, Matthew uses the word good more than any other writer in the Bible. And when he uses it, it has this sense of beautiful about it. Beautiful. So good seed on good soil produces good fruit. That is something beautiful. You know, Pele's style of soccer, we saw it's changed the entire world. In fact, Brazil now is known as one of the powerhouses of soccer because of Pele. Because of his determination, his unwillingness to give up. You know, I really struggled with pairing this movie with this parable because I was like, I really feel like the story of Pele is more about persistence than it is about anything else. He overcomes all of the odds against him that were stacked there from the very beginning. And then I ran across this quote from the New American Commentary. I'm going to put it up on the screen so you can read it with me. It says this. It says, for farmers... Only those plants that bear good fruit, which is producing a crop, count for anything. True believers are thus only those who bear proper spiritual fruit. What counts is not a profession of faith, but perseverance in faith. Wow. Now it's interesting that of all of the four different field types, there's only one, there's only one that produced fruit. And the emphasis, the emphasis of this entire parable is on the production. Some a hundred times, some sixty times, and some thirty times. Now if you want, we can get in an argument later about if the other field types received salvation. But that's not the point of the parable. The point of the parable is this, that true Jesus followers, true Jesus followers produce more Jesus followers. Don't miss this. True Jesus followers produce more Jesus followers. And so here's the question we have to ask ourselves 
if we think ourselves to be a true Jesus follower is, am I willing? Am I a willing heart? Am I producing anything? And if not, why? Why? Is it because of worry? Is it because I'm too wise? Or is it because I'm just off by the wayside? That's the question. That's the cattle prod. The moment to take home to chew on this week. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this incredibly difficult parable. Because we, if we are honest with ourselves, I think we see moments where we display all four of those hearts. I don't think most people in this room, Jesus, are not willing. I know certainly I am willing. But I know that I also allow worry to creep in. Sometimes I don't dig deep enough and spend enough time with you. Certainly other times I am more concerned about pursuing my own sins than I am about pursuing you. pray that we would be challenged this week. Now, without anybody looking up or, or looking around, you know, maybe you're here today and you said, you know what, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Never done anything in my life to begin a relationship with him. Just a moment, we're going to sing a song and, and do some offering. But if that's you, I'll be at the back of the room. Come talk to me. Don't leave here today without beginning a relationship with Jesus. God, it's in your son's precious and holy name I pray all of this.